The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them, he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and he found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now, when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. Well, that's not fair. Dear saints, that statement, that's not fair, is something that I find myself saying often. Maybe too often. But that's what we care about, isn't it? Equality. Fairness. Now, I consider myself an empathetic person, reasonable, and typically, that's all that I want, to be treated fairly, whether it be in employment, in vocation, in business dealings, or in the marketplace. Treat me fairly, do what seems right and reasonable, just, and I'll be content with that, with you. Fairness. 
that may be very much like this parable of the workers in the vineyard. In Jesus' parable, workers were hired at different times of the day, and therefore they expected to be paid accordingly to the hours that they had worked. But when the pay time came, all the workers, well, they received the same amount, a denarius, known for a day's labor. The ones who had worked only one hour received as much as those who had worked all day in the heat of the day. Now, it's not surprising that they accused their boss, the master, of being unfair. That never happens, does it? These workers were operating with the common assumption that people must get what they deserve. The wages must match the work. They need to be receiving what they have coming to them and to the others as well. That would only be fair. At one stage, we have Jesus even telling his disciples in Luke 10, verse 7, a worker should be given his pay. But here in our gospel, we have this very same Jesus telling a narrative that seems, well, completely unfair. Now he's using this as an example of how Our Heavenly Father rewards people who come into His kingdom at different stages in their own lives. He rewards them all. He rewards them all with that very same gift, regardless of their time or efforts in His kingdom. Now, hearing such things may appeal to our inner sense of justice, especially in matters where our own welfare is concerned. We see it in children when they compare what they have received with what others have received and say things like, well, that's not fair. We see it in adults who cast an envious eye over what others have coveting and they say either openly or they think it inwardly that's not fair maybe you felt it in your own life as a child of God hearing this parable it may even invoke those feelings of fairness of injustice how fair is it to Think of a person who has lived a wicked or wayward life, making a deathbed repentance and receiving the same gifts from God as the faithful church member who has borne the heat of the day, serving God all of their life, sacrificing themselves, taking up the cross and following Jesus How come they get the same reward, you may ask? It's not fair. Now, to understand Jesus' parable properly, we need to 
see beyond this, what seems to be the injustice of God and understand that it also is a parable about his generosity or about his amazing grace, which is available to all people. If we human beings really want to take up this matter of the justice of God, the fairness of God, then we're in for a rude awakening. Because if God really did what was fair or just, no one would receive any reward from God. We are all sinners And none of us deserve his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his gift of salvation and eternal life. Paul wrote in Romans 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fall short from the glory of God. What we rightly or justly deserve, well, it's his punishment, not his reward. If we're interested in fairness and justice, that is what would be fair. But God is interested in more than justice or fairness. He is also very loving and generous. And that's why he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfectly good life in our place. And to die also in our place for our sins, yours and mine. Jesus did that. He did that to satisfy the demands of God's justice. He did it so that we could be justified, reconciled, made right, put back in this right relationship with God. And I don't think that too many of us Christians would say, well, that's not fair to that. That's because everything that we receive from God is a gift. The spiritual blessings are never to be considered a wage, something that we are owed, but a free gift. As Paul also wrote to the Romans, the only wage that we deserve is death. But the free gift of God is eternal in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We have received God's gifts of love, of forgiveness, and eternal life, not because we have worked for them, but because of God's Generosity. It's not something that we earn like wages. No, it's given as a gift. And in Jesus's parable, the employer said that he gave the workers whom he had hired last the same amount because he wanted to and because he had the right to. He had the right to do what he had wished with his own money, his own grace. 
In God's kingdom, he gives all people his love, his forgiveness, and his eternal life simply because he is so generous. You get that? He wants to. And he has the right to hand out his grace, his love, as freely as he wishes. No one in God's kingdom should ever need to feel cheated. Feel cheated because they have worked harder for their spiritual blessings than another. Instead, we should, well, we should learn to rejoice that God's love and his forgiveness is so great. It is great enough to give even the worst of sinners who have lived the wickedest of lives the gift of eternal life. We should learn to rejoice that God's gifts of forgiveness, of life, of salvation are also available to all who are led to trust Jesus right up until their dying breath. We should learn to rejoice because we have received those gifts even though we don't deserve them. This is good news. That the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for sinners was a big enough, a great enough sacrifice to save the worst of the sinners in the latest of their deathbed repentance. Like the angels in heaven, we should learn to rejoice in their salvation rather than falling into that trap of thinking, well, that's not fair. Whether we're baptized as an infant and led a faithful Christian life for 80 plus years or more, or whether we repent on our deathbed after a shameful life, we still have a reason to rejoice in the generosity of God and in his gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Just as the workers hired first had agreed to their reward when they were hired, we who become Christians earlier in our own lives also know what Christ offers for us. That at the end of our life, he gives us no less than what he has promised. But he also will give us no more. Because he has promised all. All that he has to give. He's held nothing back. Therefore, we must not consider this parable in every single detail in the way that we reason and logically think in this life, but confine ourselves to this leading thought that which Christ designs to teach by it in the parable what the householder had in mind and what is aimed to be taught, how he desires to have his goodness esteemed higher than all of our human works and merit. Yes, that mercy alone 
must have all the praise. So instead of feeling, well, that's not fair, or seeing the Christian life as some sort of Jacob's ladder, let's learn to rejoice, first of all, in what Christ has promised us in our baptismal covenant right at the beginning of our Christian lives. His free gift of forgiveness, new life and eternal salvation. Let's treasure it and nurture that free gift as we bear the heat of the day, offering our own lives as living sacrifices in service to God as well as to our neighbors. Let's also learn to rejoice that God's love is generous enough. And Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, well, it's great enough to offer that love and forgiveness to anyone who repents, who turns away from their sins and puts their trust in Jesus, in Christ alone, at whatever stage they're at in their life. It wasn't really fair that Jesus, who did no wrong, should have been punished for what we did. But he did it for you. And now he gives freely the generosity of his love and his forgiveness to all who repent and turn away from their sin and put their trust in him, in Christ alone. And I think that we have to admit that that's not fair. And praise God that it isn't. Praise God for his glorious grace and mercy and unfairness. That's not fair. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.